While this podcast is supported by the College of Sustainability at Dalhousie University, thoughts and beliefs shared by hosts do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Dalhousie. This episode discusses the Christmas season in detail, but What the Sust recognizes that this is not an inclusive representation of the entire student body. Thank you so much for your support, and happy holidays. Hello, and welcome to What the Sust, a podcast by students for students. I am one of your hosts for today. My name is Jordan, and I am joined by... Hi, guys. I'm Sophie. Hey, and I'm Gemma. And today we're going to be talking about overconsumption and hyperconsumerism. <laughs> That's been a hard one for us to yeah. say. <laughs> um, but we wanted to talk about overconsumption and hyperconsumerism today because we are getting close to Christmas and tis the season for overconsumption and buying gifts for your family and just spending your money willy nilly on things that are bringing you joy. I'm seeing lots of Black Friday sales. I'm getting lots of ads in my mailbox yeah, for my emails. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of 20% off discount codes in my email. Yeah. And actually, I saw that Deloitte put out kind of their 2022 holiday retail outlook. So it's a survey. So you kind of have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt. But Canadians are going to be spending an average of $1,520 this holiday season, which is actually down from last year. You can't see, but Gemma and I, our jaw just dropped <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> That's a lot of money. I think as students, yeah. we, our heart posture has definitely changed towards shopping. Yeah, um, totally. That's like two months of rent for some yeah. people. I can't exactly remember what they concluded as the holiday season, where the start and end to that was, but regardless, that is... I'd say we're in the heart of it right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And yeah, and they came up with some other kind of just stats on it they thought were interesting. So it was 43% of people said that they'll choose sustainable products whenever possible. So that was, you know, somewhat nice to see. And also that 44%... Were willing to pay a little bit more if they thought the goods were more like socially uh, compliant or sustainable or whatnot, and that was even more common with the younger group, of course, eighteen to thirty-four. Um, but also, a lot of people, forty-six percent, that said that they wouldn't do the same because of either price or just the ability to trust any of those claims and whatnot. Mm. Um, but yeah, interesting to see. Yeah, that was my question. Like, what are they using to define sustainable products, especially when we're talking about Christmas gifts? Like, I'm thinking lots of technology Um, and, like, clothing items. So what do we mean by sustainable? Um, Well, I don't know, like, if you guys have done any looking around, because, I don't know, my parents asked, what sort of things do you want for Christmas? And I've been thinking of ways to, I don't know, cut down my emissions and everything, especially totally. with Christmas. But um, I've been eyeing up a couple things. And since it is Black Friday, I thought I would look around. A lot of brands are saying that they're not even doing Black Friday sales. Yeah. Interesting. Have you come across any of those no sales? Or they're calling it Green Friday now what? instead. That feels a little just... mm, a little silly to me. Feels a little like greenwashing to me. Mm-hmm, but yeah. no, I haven't seen that. But I do wonder too if it's because we're in Canada and oh, Black Friday true. is more of an American cultural tradition. Yes, at this point. It's an event. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
definitely good for people to be, you know, using the sales if these are things you're going to buy anyways. But I do think even myself getting those emails and kind of been like, do I need something yeah. here? And then I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> so maybe we can talk about what we use as a definition for overconsumption before we get any farther into our conversation. How is it defined? Um, and what do we, what do we think it means? What do we translate that as, as sustainability yeah. students? Yeah. Well, like it's hard to get out of consuming goods. Like it's essentially what life is, but overconsumption is the act of consuming something in excess. So doing too much in the scheme of consumption. I looked it up earlier before we started recording for today and actually on the Merriam-Webster dictionary, the example that they use, which I thought was really funny, is the overconsumption of fossil fuels. Oh. So they're putting fossil fuels and sustainability right into the definition. Yeah. Very interesting little fun fact. <laughs> I think it's interesting how it's defined because, yeah, it's like when mm. do you cross the line that you're overconsuming? Mm-hmm. Like we need things to live. We have to pay for clothing. We have to wear shoes. We have to eat. Like, Three times a day. (laughs) But what's the line between necessity and overconsumption? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's going to look different for different people. Yeah, totally. I think we already know that I think even between the three of us, there's probably slight Mm. differences. I mean, yeah, similarities. Yeah. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Totally. And then the other word that we came up with in association with consumption, consumerism, is hyper consumerism hey, slay. <laughs> it's been a hard one to say um but wikipedia use that with a grain of salt wikipedia defines hyper consumerism as the consumption of goods beyond one's necessities and the associated significant pressure to consume those goods exerted by social media as those goods shape one's identity so that's a little bit more of a modern idea of overconsumption. Um, I like that they put social media in there because that's such a huge influence yeah. for, at least for us and for our age group, for what we're buying, who we're buying from, whether we're buying from yeah. Black Friday sales or Green Friday sales. <laughs> yeah, just thinking of like this whole influencers idea in general, it's all about just like seeing what other people have and then wanting mm-hmm. to buy it. And that's like, and part of the job is like, you know, working with brands and they try to sell stuff so I think that's very much for young people and it's hard like even if you're not on social media and stuff there's no way to get away from it totally yeah trends move so fast like fashion trends and nobody is immune to seeing to seeing that yeah so I guess that kind of brings us to why is you know overconsumption or hyper consumerism why is that a sustainability issue and why did we want to talk about that? I think for me, what I hear the most, um, especially when I am engaging with content creators and influencers who have a focus on sustainability, they always say the most sustainable thing you can use is something you already have. But that's definitely not the culture that we're living in, especially at this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like that overconsumption goes beyond retail and shopping right it's like the food you're eating like everything Mm -hmm. the energy you're consuming in your home like there's a lot of different avenues Jordan you bring up like an interesting point um how does that work during the season of gift giving 
you don't know what someone already has or what they don't have. And if your love language is giving them a gift. Yeah. Like, That's so funny that you asked that because one of my main love languages is definitely gift giving. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not my experience. So I would That's love so to know funny. more about. But for me, I haven't celebrated Christmas in kind of a while. Like okay. I'm a student and I live out here in Halifax. Most of my family is at home. Mm-hmm. Um, in Ontario so I am not taking part in gift giving so I have kind of a unique perspective on that and what my family has done for many many years is uh, donations to places like the Heart and Stroke Foundation or the SPCA or other local nonprofits. so it's more of a monetary gift in someone's name rather than giving physical gifts it's been a long time since I unwrapped a present <laughs> yeah is part of your I mean you talk about your part one of your love languages giving gifts do you like receiving them that's <laughs> no okay. <laughs> I think it's nice when people will like give you something that maybe they've like picked up at a thrift store yeah. or they see a card and are like well this made me think of you and that's really sweet but I get really uncomfortable um, adding things to my home that I am going to have to kind of maneuver around. Like if it's not something that I'm going to use or wear or like eat, (laughs) then if it's just sitting in my home, it's not something that I want. It's something that I really consider when I'm buying other people gifts. Mm -hmm. Like, are they going to wear this? Are they going to enjoy it? Are they going to maybe drink what I've given them? Mm-hmm. Or is it just, like, going to sit in their home and take up yeah. space? What about you, Gemma? What are your opinions on all the gift-giving? Um, also relate to not really celebrating Christmas in the traditional sense anymore, since I'm from out of province and my family is in BC. Um, I have become a really big fan of sharing, like, labors of love with okay. people. So, um, and, like, I don't know, it, if I'm exposing, like, blood, sweat, and tears into (laughs) something that someone is receiving, then I feel like that's a win. So, I can't really bake bread, but if I can provide a meal or, like, cookies or something to you, mulled wine, Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure a lot of that is going to be going out to people. (laughs) And it's so much easier because I don't have to spend time, like, out in the malls. Um, dealing with other people I don't have to really worry about any of uh, where things are coming from because mm-hmm. it's stuff that I already yeah. have so and it's so nice to know that someone's like spent a couple minutes of their day at least yeah. mm-hmm. putting effort into a gift rather than like rushing into the mall and or just like their credit card. On yeah. Online. yeah totally what about you Sophie what's your Christmas <laughs> tradition with your family yeah so Pretty much any of my friends will know that I, so I celebrate Christmas, and I do love Christmas. I'm always trying to play the Christmas music way too early. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, so for me growing up, that was quite a big thing in my family, and something that we've always done pretty intensely in like every aspect, including um, like my mom always put a lot into our Christmas gifts and having everything really all set up and thought out. Um, I also have been she asked for some ideas and some lists Ooh. in the last couple of weeks. Um, but then again, I also recognize um, 
that that kind of can cross the line at certain points. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I've tried to be a bit more conscious of what I'm doing. I mean, I definitely will be giving gifts at Christmas and um, my family will exchange them with like my siblings, for example, we just kind of make the rule not to give each other gifts because (laughs) for us, it's like people are just buying it for the sake of giving it. So a bit different, but yeah, it definitely, for me, like it brings back a lot of fun memories from childhood Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I do participate, um, but trying to be a little more thoughtful with what I'm actually buying and giving. Well, that's also a tough thing to navigate because thoughtfulness, though it may be free, it does take time. And that seems to be, we're living in a world where, like, we just want convenience. Yeah, totally. Regardless of how much it costs. So this is a sustainability issue um, in terms of consumerism. And there are a couple directions that we could have gone in for this particular episode. Consumerism isn't just the things that you're purchasing on a daily basis. I think mm-hmm. Sophie mentioned this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's using energy... Um, And we could have also spoken about things like fast fashion and food waste. And one of my personal favorites is hoarding and collective purchasing, like the doomsday preppers, especially during COVID. um, A lot of people were just purchasing and purchasing in preparation for the paper was impossible to get your hands on. (laughs) Yeah. Like just in case something horrible happens, which it did with COVID and it's fine if you want to collect toilet paper. Um, but if you're consuming goods, especially things like food, um, for the purpose of preparing and you're not actually taking it into account whether or not you're going to use that, mm. yeah, that's still overconsumption and maybe not responsible purchasing. Um, but for today, we're just talking about generally our daily habits yeah. um, and what we maybe plan to do in the future for more responsible purchasing Um, and thinking about where our goods are coming from. To give you a bit of context for me, what I think of when I hear the word hyper-consumerism and overconsumption, it's specifically social media trends. (laughs) I feel like we're going to make some enemies with this little portion, (laughs) but I'm ready for it. (laughs) I'm brave enough to say Taylor Swift specifically is getting a lot of hate recently um, because she's been taking like 22-minute flights which is a horrible maybe habit to do if you're doing it all the time. But social media has really contributed to overconsumption. And I specifically see a ton of people on TikTok and Instagram who are purchasing things for their homes, for their kids, for themselves, just to use them one singular time and then to throw them out or just to have them like as a collection. Specifically, I'm thinking of squishmallows it's okay if you're a child in my mind and you're playing with them you have them in your room because they're like a comfy little pillow to enjoy but if you're perhaps maybe grown and you're collecting them for the sake of collection maybe you are contributing to overconsumption for the sake of bringing yourself joy but it doesn't necessarily serve a purpose And I'm not calling those people out specifically because I think that what they're doing is wrong. You still deserve to have joy and to have things that bring you joy in your home, in your life. But maybe it's time to start thinking about the impact of what your consumption habits are having on the rest of the environment. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think I've seen a lot of that, yeah, on like TikTok and stuff. Like even 
there was like a bunch of videos I've seen that's like preparing for guests and like having special toiletries. Yes, for I guests, see that so much. Which once again, I think if that's like, you know, everybody has their different things, but for me, I'm just like, uh, like, why are we buying all this extra stuff? Like the individually yeah. wrapped yeah. makeup wipes. Like, I'm sorry, you I'm could just into buy a hotel. one whole pack, yeah, yeah and share. You can just use my shampoo for a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting for sure. And kudos to you if you're a host like that. That's fine. We're, we don't want you to to change. It's out of my tax bracket. Yeah, <laughs> it's out of our tax bracket. It's not something we can consciously participate in. What do you think, Gemma? I immediately go to, like, those fashion hauls, and I'm mm-hmm. sure we're going to talk about fast fashion and the clothing industry further down the line, but I just can't wrap my head around people where they will do, like, a five $700 haul to <gasps> Shein, yeah. and it's like, oh, but, and then you're going to claim you can't afford to support ethical brands. Well, you certainly can, because you're choosing to throw $500 down the drain, because, like, None of these things are going to last. You're going to probably wear these articles of clothing once. And for what reason? Right. And I think that contributes directly to the definition that we gave for hyper-consumerism. Because these people are Mm -hmm. doing the $700 Shein hauls. And that's fine for one season. But then Mm -hmm. it's something that needs to be repeated time and time again. So if you are doing that one time... And that's where you think you can afford to purchase clothing to sustain you throughout the year. Maybe once is okay, but if it's something that becomes a habit is when yeah, you're we start to like struggle monthly. with the idea. Right. Oh, for yeah. Sure. Totally. For me, overconsumption, like a lot of sustainability issues that I, I kind of struggle with as a sustainability student, a lot of the time, you know, recognizing that there's so many different factors and circumstances mm-hmm. and all of this, I find it hard to make like a lot of like blanket statements Mm -hmm. and even for myself like especially on this topic I'm just gonna say I'm like totally a hypocrite I feel like talking here (laughs) material girl because I (laughs) definitely buy more stuff than I need to so I think for me it's like the two ways of looking at it is overconsumption in itself is consuming more than we need to but Mm -hmm. I would argue that probably the three of us sitting in this room as well as probably everybody listening is consuming more than they need to oh in Um, all like aspects as well yeah so then for me it's a little bit more about you know trying to make sure that I'm consuming with some thought and some intention in what I'm buying um so yeah I try to implement that so I'm not just kind of buying for the sake of buying which I think is a lot of those kind of like that's mm-hmm. kind of the vibe I get and like is this something that's going to last me a long time am I support when I can am I supporting a brand that I feel I want to put my money towards is this va- something valuable to me whether that's like um, a sentimental value or something like that but yeah I just think it's a bit I, I struggle with it it's a bit complicated and I also think mm-hmm. taking the stance that I all just said about intention is also mm-hmm allows you to kind of avoid action sometimes too you know it's not enough to just like every time I buy something think about it and recognize that maybe I shouldn't you know (laughs) at some point that does have to translate into what I'm actually doing but well I think it's a really good place to start yeah totally and that brings us right into one of our next points is the three pillars to environmental activism, which I found in one of my other classes. It's an environment and culture class um, through the sociology department. 
And one of the things that I noticed in the class that specifically relates to this topic is that there is a Venn diagram of things that you need to participate in environmental activism. And those three things are awareness, ability, and motivation. So essentially, you need to have all three of these if you want to adequately participate in environmental activism. And if you're lacking one of those components, then it really doesn't allow you to participate in a way that's effective or in a way that's meaningful. Um, and for example, if you have the awareness and the availability or the capacity, but you are lacking the motivation or let's say you're struggling with mental health, um, it's going to be really hard for an individual to participate and to consider every purchase that they're making, that's really taxing on your mind. And another example is if you have the motivation and you have the awareness, but you don't have the financial capacity to afford brands that are doing sustainable clothing or you're purchasing organic goods from the farmer's market, that's going to make it really hard for you to participate and really hard for an individual to, um, again, purchase ethically. So if you are overconsuming in a way that is harmful to the environment, it's not always the responsibility of the individual. You need to have all three of those, and that's not ever going to be, um, you're never going to be in that perfect situation for every <laughs> purchase that you're making. Um, we make purchases on a daily basis, like we were saying at the beginning, we still have to eat, we have to pay our rent, we have to pay our bills. So there's a lot of purchasing that's going on, um, and a lot of backgrounding that needs to be thought of. It's yeah. never the responsibility of the individual. It is a, a larger, um, like a societal, a collective action. Yeah, I feel like we tend to, with a lot of these sustainability issues, is like focus a lot on the individual. And I do think that individual choices matter. A lot of times it's kind of a, a bigger issue that needs to be addressed about how we function as a society. I kind of want to go back to what you were saying, Jordan, um, in terms of consuming and considering like sustainable brands and I think that it's really hard with so many brands out there like going into greenwashing and stuff mm -hmm. it's not as easy yeah. to distinguish which brands you can support yeah and then um you were talking about ethical consumption is there <laughs> any ethical consumption i don't know is there any ethical consumption under capitalism like i don't know if any of us sitting here have the right answer to that mm. i know we all have some pretty strong feelings about it but i guess if we're looking at that venn diagram mm -hmm. in this context specifically if we are being manipulated by those brands that are doing a lot of greenwashing, then I guess what's lacking is the awareness of what's actually going on behind the scenes. Um, I know there's been a report that's come out about Shein. Um, the Cut wrote a really great article about what's going on in the background of Shein. And people still need to be clothed, but they might not have the yeah. awareness uh, to ethically consume moving forward. Yeah, and I also think that's like, another point is yeah like it's we don't have necessarily the awareness or the education or I mean hopefully at sustainability students we have a bit more but <laughs> I don't point. yeah I don't want to put the responsibility then on the consumer to have to 
educate themselves yeah. to that extent because that's, you shouldn't yeah. be having to go through massive obstacles like weasel your way through to be like oh I can feel good about purchasing this shirt yeah. it shouldn't be a job for no. you to be yeah. able to find somewhere and, that yeah. isn't destroying the planet or the livelihoods of other yeah. people yeah, like the average person is not going to read like the sustainability report mm-hmm. that all these different retail companies put out like that's just not reasonable for people that have a lot of other stuff going on in their lives yeah capitalism is sort of built to manipulate us and it's unfortunate that that's the way that it is but I think that's part of the conversation and why we're here today is we're talking about it because we're thinking about why hyperconsumerism is inherently bad um but we don't necessarily have an answer about what to do about it yeah, so sorry for everyone that thought we could tell you <laughs> how to fix this. Yeah. We don't we have don't any have great advice answer. for you. Yeah. And we're open to hearing, like, your thoughts, things that you agree or disagree with. Because yeah. we're we're all trying our best here. Totally. Um, yeah, and this kind of brings us to, um, in researching for this episode, I came across a study um, from 2012 um, where they looked at what they called big or the behavior impact gap. So it's basically the difference between, you know, when you have this pro-environmental consumer behavior, what is the difference between what you expect the impact to be and what it actually is? Um, so they looked at the ecological footprint of what they called green versus brown consumers. So they decided... <laughs> I consider myself to be a brown <laughs> consumer. But actually, <laughs> let me hear more about what they are. Yeah, so basically they divided the participants, so it was kind of like in a survey, um, into green, brown, and average consumer types. So they had a list of considered pro-environmental behavior, and they asked them questions and then assigned them into different categories. Um, so a lot of that was like, are you, do you uh, make an attempt to pick from brands that are like environmentally labeled or whatever? Um, and so once they divided them into those categories, they looked at the, their different footprints um, by consumer type. And what they actually found was that the green consumers weren't necessarily having um, lower ecological footprints than the brown consumers. And in fact, the biggest um, determinant was income. So income played a much oh, bigger part. Imagine that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? That's really interesting. I mean, it's great to have intention, but. Like we're saying, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. So at the end of the day, if you don't, if you're lacking the financial capacity to yeah, make responsible choices, then. Well, yeah, because that was also interesting. So there were a lot more of those green consumers in the higher income bracket, which makes sense. These are people that yeah. have the resources to like actually choose to make certain decisions. Right. Um. And I think even, like, by a certain income level, there was no longer even any brown consumers. But And wow. some of those people that did, were considered the green consumers did have those lower footprints, but it just wasn't always the case. Um, and some of the brown consumers and the lower income would have much lower uh, footprints. So, I don't know. It's just interesting, interesting to see. It's not that, you know, making those um, environmental decisions wouldn't have an impact, but it's not always so straightforward. I mean, I guess to play devil's advocate, if I was perhaps in a higher income range, then maybe I would be taking more vacations and traveling more via planes or like buying more clothing. I, but yeah. that's something that I would probably be doing. Um, 
So maybe it's not something that those consumers are thinking about. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, yeah, two things they um, referenced um, were about also our everyday kind of attitudes versus like those small decisions. So, so for example, one of the um, like higher income consumers might have made choices to choose more environmentally friendly transportation during every day. But then if they went on X number of vacations on a plane, then that kind it's of... It's all for nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, better than if they also went on the plane right. and Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then also just like that rebound effect of if, you know, we always think about it's like if you buy something that's like more sustainable off the bat and then you end up like using it more oh, or whatnot. Interesting. Right? So I don't know. It's just interesting and shows you how much income and wealth play a role in all of this. So a problem that we didn't really create is something that we are responsible for fixing. I think about that generationally as well. Like mm. we as sustainability students who are in some of the first graduating classes of sustainability program in Canada, we're aware and we're trying to make changes, but I do worry that it's going to fall on the shoulders of generations younger than us to actually take action and make changes. And I just think like the way that society is structured around kind of like wealth and all that stuff has an in, like a large impact and it's hard to just like make you know, an individual choice when there's just, like, this whole system behind it. And it's, like, how do we go a step further than just, you know, choosing not to buy something? How do we make that bigger and impact, like, a lot more people? Mm -hmm. And it's totally a larger conversation that we may have on a future episode about um, the income dynamic um, between marginalized communities, um, especially in Nova Scotia, where the impact of other citizens has a larger impact on other communities. For example, um, the dump that was up in Shelburne, Nova Scotia. But that's a conversation for another day. That's another (laughs) argument. (laughs) Yeah. And that was interesting to another um, paper that I was reading discussed how in a lot of, you know, kind of the global north and like the Western world, a lot of the countries that are actually experiencing um, more inequality um, in wealth tend to have worse, like, environmental outcomes and consumption patterns because there kind of is that structure of, like, trying to meet the economic level above you, right? There's a bit more competition, I think, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, there's kind of that discussion of does it create different attitudes or I think they were comparing, like, the U.S. and Norway, for example. So, yeah, definitely I think income plays a large role into it making people even want to consume more right if it's like kind of this competitive thing which is like the social media we're talking about right you see these people on tiktok with their shein haul and then you're like oh i want to do that too yeah you don't get value from purchasing things in excess so it's a tough thing no to understand and speaking of which that brings us to our next point the idea of consumption because it's necessary versus purchasing things because they bring us joy. We had a hard time um, doing research about this and also have some personal thoughts about where the line is between having things in your home or in your life because they bring you joy but don't necessarily serve a purpose to your survival directly. What do we think? (laughs) You do have to consider that like shopping for joy 
and like in excess does come from a place of privilege. But I don't know. I don't know if people should be conditioned to like believe that they can only buy things if it is like if it needs of like hunger, clothing, shelter. Like I think we should be able to go out and experience life and do things that bring us joy. But I I don't know how to find like a balance between that because I I think I find that things that bring me joy are more so experiences than things. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so like I'd love to go out, but that's that'll be like post grad <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, but like live music and concert, that that is my favorite thing to do, and that brings me joy, and so. Hello, fellow listeners. Editor here. Our lovely host went on for a little too long, so I'm going to drop you off where you need to be. All right. Bye. So that brings us to our next point about purchasing things that bring us joy, but aren't necessarily there for us to use for our survival. Um, As we said, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. And we still all deserve to have things in our home, in our lives that bring us joy, um, even if they aren't necessarily great for the environment. Um, we still need to be able to enjoy ourselves as we go through our lives, but we're struggling to find a balance between overconsumption and <laughs> and that good balance of, of yeah. what we can do. Yeah, and I think everyone's going to probably draw that line differently. To me, I definitely think joy is important. And if, like, as someone that, like, clothes or, you know, um, skincare, all those, you know, makeup, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, I think I should be able to buy those things. But I think there's, like, a level where, yeah, it does cross the line. Like, I don't need to have a million of those things and always be buying the new ones and whatnot. But, yeah, I struggle to figure out, like, where is that line, like, how do I stay with inside of like just doing things for, you know, joy without it becoming so environmentally detrimental? Totally. And as we're talking, I'm thinking of like a couple weeks ago, I bought a stuffed soccer ball for my dog and he absolutely loves to destroy his toys. So it was a stuffed toy that was specifically purchased for him for the sake of ripping apart. It took him probably 30 minutes to pull all of the little bits and pieces of stuffing out and then it had to go in the garbage because it was no longer safe for him to play with. But for those 30 minutes, he was having the best time of his life. So what is the balance between me purchasing that? It's not a necessity. His life wouldn't have been worse off without it. But what I probably should have done as he was playing with this toy is collecting the little pieces of stuffing as he's blowing them across my living room and collecting them to make a new toy for later, but I don't know how to strike that balance in every purchase that I'm making. Yeah, and it's definitely, like, for me, it's easier in certain aspects of my life, because, yeah, it's things that don't bring me a lot of joy, so I don't, you know, I don't actually want to be consuming that much. But, yeah, when it comes to, like, yeah, like, clothing items or that kind of thing, I think I try to look at it, like, I don't need to have five different black t-shirts or like if I haven't finished one product, I don't need to buy the same one, Mm -hmm. you know, until I'm done with it. Well, that's interesting because sometimes you do have to do that though. Because if something is on sale and, you know, say it's originally your face wash is originally $30 and then it's down for $15, you're not quite ready 
to buy a new one. So I think critical thinking sometimes needs to come into play. And then maybe be open to finding joy elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. um, Rather than in material things, maybe more so in experiences. Um, But I don't ever want to feel, I don't want to make anyone feel like I'm telling them that they're living wrong. I don't have the answers. I don't know what I'm talking about, like, 90% (laughs) of the time. Yeah. So. And, like, I just want to recognize, too, the fact that I can even buy things for joy is an extremely Mm. privileged place to be, to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, none of that is a necessity, and I think that's an important thing to think about when you're buying stuff as well. Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, I don't know, we need to search for things that do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And speaking of critical thinking, as we mentioned, we are some of the first generation of sustainability students at Dell, and we talk a lot in our program about ego grief and ego anxiety, and I think a lot of that stems from other people's behavior and how we view the world around us. Do we think that we have a responsibility to call out poor behavior in terms of hyperconsumerism and overconsumption, and how do we strike that balance between politely telling our family and our friends that this behavior is harmful and just being preachy? Um, Sophie, I don't know if you were wanting to share what you were talking about when we were doing our research for this episode, but I think it's relevant to like the topic of conversation and the season that we're in as yes. well. Um, assuming this is kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, I actually, I struggle a lot with this because as I made clear for this episode, like, I feel like a bit of a hypocrite sometimes. So I actually don't, maybe I should, but I pretty much don't like to call out individuals really whatsoever. I mean, when it comes to like family and friends, sure. Because those are people that like I'm comfortable with and we share our opinions. But otherwise, yeah, I just don't really feel comfortable doing it. I think when it comes to like companies and organizations or like people in positions of power, then I think that's the place I'm comfortable asking why people are acting a certain way. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Me too. I mean, it's definitely more comfortable with my family. And for example, I shared something on Facebook the other day that was like, you shouldn't be putting your leaf piles in plastic bags. And some of my extended family members were not necessarily pleased with that idea because that's the way that things have been done for years and years and years. And that's what they're used to doing. And I think when you're calling out somebody's behavior, even if you're doing it in a kind way, it's always going to feel like an attack. So it, it is really difficult to call out individuals, especially when you're close to them, when you see that their behavior isn't necessarily in line with your own personal beliefs. But I definitely agree with calling out other corporations yeah. um, and calling out large companies and making sure that they are aware that we feel that they're not doing their best and that they should smarten up. Yeah, I think you need to, like, approach these things with grace. Um, And then also, like, if you're calling someone out and you're just leaving it at that, that's not going to make much of a difference. I think you need to, like, provide alternatives to people. So, like, not to shame you or anything with that, but saying, don't put things in plastic bags. Like, okay, then what am I supposed to do? It may be, like, common sense to one person, Mm -hmm. but provide, like, alternatives and options. Totally. To people. Or even just phrasing there, like mm. as opposed to being like, 
you can't do that, that's bad. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people then associate that to you saying that they're bad, and mm-hmm. then that gets very defensive. You mm-hmm. can instead be like, this is the great other option. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, or yeah. Have you just, heard of composting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just like. There we go. Figuring out how to make people want to change behavior mm-hmm. as opposed to, yeah, just shaming people. That doesn't really, I think in pretty much every issue, that never seems to work yeah. to get mm-hmm. people to change their behavior. So, And that is something that I, like, actually really struggle with. Because at times I do feel like I'm babying someone. Because, yeah. like, what may be super obvious and clear to me yeah. is totally different and new to someone else. So, yeah, approach these topics and conversations with grace, not only for the other people you're talking to, but, like, for yourself as well. Yeah, yeah totally. And if any of our listeners have any ideas about whether or not we should even be doing that or how to gracefully have conversations with our peers about um, poor behavior, let us know. Let us know yeah. what you think. Let us know if you have had any experiences with that, um, how they turned out. We would love to hear your advice. I think the the main question was, like, are we responsible to call? Like, do we have a responsibility to calling people out or Mm -hmm. making change? And I think if we want to be, like, respectable global citizens, we do have a responsibility. And we have to, like, take Mm -hmm. responsibility for these things and our actions and the actions of other people. So. See, yeah, I would just say, like, I don't feel like I have a responsibility to, like, just call out the everyday person. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, I mean, yeah, like I said, like, with friends and family, like, even more, I just, like, love for them to call me out, because there's a lot of things they can do for that. Be receptive to it as well. Yeah, but I think, yeah, leading, you know, kind of by example and constantly trying Mm -hmm. to improve yourself and then sharing that information with people that do want to hear it, I think is kind of the best way Mm -hmm. to hopefully inspire some other change. Yeah, we never want sustainability to become hand-in-hand with, like, cancel culture. We want sustainability yeah. to be, like, a friendly environment. Well Excuse played. the pun. <laughs> <laughs> and now that we're towards the end of our conversation, let's sort of bring this back down to sustainability and think of or talk about ways forward. As we said, this is not a conversation that we are having because we have a lot of great advice or an answer, but we just want to think about and talk about sustainability in terms of consumption, especially at this time of year. So something that I think about when I'm in the Christmas season is whether or not somebody is going to actually appreciate the gift that they're being given. Is it going to take up space? Are you doing it because you feel that you have a responsibility to give them a gift, or is it something that they're genuinely wanting um, or would appreciate? What about you guys? Do you have any sage advice? I think it's super cliche, but I feel like for me, the holidays is just about, like, spending time Mm -hmm. with people you love. I know that. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, so I feel like that should be the focus, and I understand that, you know, gift-giving and all that stuff is very much a part of a lot of people's traditions, including my own. My reason for the season is different. Like, I'm definitely going to be spending a lot of time with my church family, uh, my faraway family. And just, I think I'm going to try and get away from the gift giving, unless it's out of, like, labors of love, food, and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I also just want to be out and about with people that I care about. 
Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, and if you want to hear more from us, please give us a follow on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We are at What the Sust Pod on all the platforms. And like we said earlier, we want to hear from you. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, if you want to ask us a question, or if you have any critiques about the episode, we want to hear from you. Let us know. Bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs>